Welcome to episode 14 with Melissa Ambrosini, learning how to open wide. Welcome to the Wellness Project podcast with Claire Obade. I'm a life and wellness coach, yoga teacher, EFT practitioner, and meditation guide. And most importantly, I'm a mama. And I'm here to support you to free your mind, fuel your body, and feed your soul as we journey into the project of your own wellness. From meditation, yoga, spirituality, and health to well being, mindset, conscious living, and conscious parenting, I dive into it all. Featuring moments of contemplation mixed with inspired action and handy takeaways, you will feel inspired and motivated, ready to cultivate new habits, rituals, and tools for your wellness journey. With mini meditation sessions to support you in cultivating inner stillness, connection, and clarity, and special co-hosted episodes and interviews to answer your questions, the Wellness Project podcast has you covered. Hey, beautiful people. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm really, really excited to have this chat today with my beautiful friend, Melissa Ambrosini. She is a best-selling author and speaker. She is the best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and of the latest book, which has just come out called Open Wide, a radically real guide to deep love, rocking relationships and soulful sex. How awesome does that sound? She is also the host of the number one podcast, The Melissa Ambrosini Show, and a podcast that I love to listen to and get so much guidance and inspiration from. She is a speaker, a self-love teacher, and her signature straight-talking style has helped thousands and millions of people around the world. Melissa teaches women how to unlock their full potential, master their inner mean girl, smash through limiting beliefs, and ditch the self-doubt so that they can start living the life of their dreams. Also named a self-help guru by Elle magazine, her mission has been to inspire women to create a heart-centered life, one that is wildly wealthy, fabulously healthy, and bursting with love. And I feel really, really blessed that I have known Melissa for about six years now and watched her incredible journey unfold over the last few years. And now with the release of her latest book, Open Wide, I now have an even more passionate appreciation for this divine woman and all that she is putting out into the world and all that she is willing to offer from her own lessons, from her own learnings about relationships, those relationships we have in love, but also in friendships and in family, and to provide us with some guidance on how she has opened to these beautiful relationships and transform them into something beautiful and into the divine spiritual assignments that they are for all of us. So without further ado, I am going to jump straight in and start chatting to the beautiful Melissa Ambrosini. Hi Mel, honey, thank you so much for joining me for this beautiful conversation about your new book, Open Wide. I'm really grateful to be chatting with you and to share this amazing book and you with the world. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, beautiful. Pleasure. So I'm going to dive straight in to something that you mentioned in the book. And you share with us that open wide is actually your mantra. So I would love to share with our listeners right now how you live by that mantra and how you use that every day. Yeah, so the first thing I do every morning before I get out of bed is when I'm kind of slipping from that unconscious to conscious realm and my eyes are still closed, 
I place my hand, one hand on my heart, one on my belly, and I say to myself, open wide, Melissa. And what that means to me is letting go of yesterday and opening wide to today. Because in every moment, we are either open or we're closed. We're open to the people around us or we're closed off to them. We're open to the taxi driver, the girl behind the counter at the bank or the coffee shop, or we're closed off and rude to them. We're open to the opportunities that are presented to us or we're closed off to them. And so in every moment throughout our day, we're either open or we're closed. And what I have realized is that when we are closed, that is when life feels really hard and challenging. And that is when we miss all of the beautiful opportunities that are presented to us daily. And so I made it my guiding mantra and my guiding light to be open wide so that I could receive all of the beautiful gifts that are constantly in front of us. Mm. And I physically feel that in my body. So I physically feel what being open wide feels like. And to me, it is Um, a feeling and also I visualize it. So when I'm laying in bed, I visualize my heart opening like a lotus flower. I visualize my mind opening and expanding. And then I visualize every single cell in my body. So I visualize all of my cells opening wide like little lotus flowers all throughout my body. This immediately puts a smile on my face. Mm, And mine too. (laughs) Yeah. And you can't help but almost feel like really happy and like laughing. Like for me, like when I'm visualizing, you know, my cells opening, I also visualize them them like having a little dance, like Mm. almost like a little jig. And you can't help but laugh. And Mm. it feels different in your body. So being open wide feels open and expansive and soft and light. Being closed feels contracted, tight, and not fun. Mm. It really isn't. So for me, this is my daily mantra. It's something that I do every morning in, before I get out of bed. I make sure I am in an open space so that I can enter my day wide open um, because then I can receive all of the beauty that is constantly presented to me. What a beautiful lesson and reminder for us all. Mel, that was just gorgeous. And you're right. I am literally smiling the entire time you're describing that. Just stunning. And it it kind of reminds me of the principles of manifestation. You know, you're literally raising the vibration of your physical and energetic body, your heart, your mind, your soul in this process, aren't you? And in that, Mm. you can then call to you the vibration of that which you want. And if anybody doesn't know this about you, you're pretty damn good at manifesting so I can (laughs) I can see why listening to that incredible way of starting your day and I'm sure feeding that into the rest of your day just yeah keeps you so open and expansive yum and I just want to share here that it actually reminded me of something with my little my little one Soleil when you said you know we can be open to different people or open to the person at the shop or whatever it is I frequently make an effort to smile and to engage with people and to be kind to strangers and to to connect. And the other day, my daughter actually said to me, Mommy, why are you talking to that person? And I looked down to her and I said, 
because it's really nice and it feels really good to connect with other people. And she had this big smile on her face, like she got it. Like she was like, oh, yeah, I get it. And she's very much like that. She just talks to anybody and everybody and she has this big, expansive energy to her. And I, I think that's what Open Wide is about, isn't it, what you've just described from that energy. That's staying open to all things, all people, all experiences, all energy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because you don't know. Like if you get in that Uber or that taxi and you are rude to that person or just not even, just closed off, and and I totally get it, there are times where you don't feel like talking and that's okay, but you could have just missed the best opportunity to connect with the most amazing human on this planet. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely – times where you don't you need to go inward absolutely and you don't feel like you know being really extroverted and going out there and talking to everyone gosh this oh my god I I am like that I I just you know need to kind of go into my own little cave and just not talk to anyone sometimes but you don't have to be rude in the process and that's something that I'm really passionate about as well and something that I'm constantly wanting to work on and it sounds like what you've just described as well as you're actually opening wide to the energy of needing to be introverted and needing to be alone you know you're simply opening wide to whatever feels good in that time so I think this is a really beautiful segue because what you've started to talk about here is relationship and the importance of relationship in our life on all levels and how this is kind of at the the core of our existence here, which you talk a lot about in this book. So can we go into your book now, talking about what your book, Open Wide, actually is about and why you feel that this is a really important time for this book to come out now? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Open Wide is a guide on how to have deep love with yourself and with others how to experience rocking relationships with yourself and with others and how to experience soulful sex with yourself or with another, you know, or others, whatever floats your boat, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever your cup of tea is. Um, So that's what the book is about. But essentially it's a personal development journey. The book is, yes, it's about relationships, but first and foremost, it's about the most important relationship of all, and that is the one with yourself. Mm-hmm. Because you can't have epic, rocking relationships with other people until you have looked in the mirror. Yeah. And you have done some level of personal development work, or you have some level of self awareness. Otherwise, we are flying blind. And so the book is really about your relationship with yourself and deepening your connection with yourself so that ultimately you can open wide to deep love with others, with yourself, rocking relationships and soulful sex. And now more than ever, we need more open heart-centered trailblazers leading the way and shining their light. Now more than ever we need it. There is so much negativity in the world and there's so much war and pain and suffering, but that doesn't have to be the way. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to contribute to that. We can choose another way. And, you know, for me, you'll notice, I don't know if you notice, but 
some people may that I don't contribute to negativity online. I don't. If people say something to me um, or if there is something that's very negative that's gone on in the world, I don't contribute to it because there's enough. There is enough. And the world doesn't need me to contribute to it. It needs me to open wide and to get in my heart and share my light and my love. That's what the world needs. So this is why this book is so important and needed at this time because we need more light, we need more love, and we need more trailblazers out there. Yes, I love it. And the reality is that without relationship where there is nothing, there is no existence, there is no story, there is no human experience, is there? So relationships Mm. are at the core of what you've just described in terms of contributing. So let's talk more about those relationships because in your book you share how, and I firmly believe this and it's something that I've always passionately aligned to, that relationships are our biggest assignments and they're a spiritual journey. You know, and, and since becoming a mother, I see my relationship with my daughter. I see that as one of my biggest spiritual journeys and assignments. I see the same with my husband. I see it with my partner, past partners, sorry, not, not current partners. I see it with family members. And some of them have made me stretch and grow quite uncomfortably and you talk about this in your book you share some of your own personal stories as well so can we talk about some of that a little bit because a lot of people at least in my coaching experience are really hesitant to embrace relationship as spiritual assignments and they're really hesitant to be willing to step forward to those relationships and see them for what they are which is not necessarily heartache or grief or pain or even joy or you know abundance but to actually see them that this is this is a gift because you're learning something so profound for it so how do you think and you share this through your book how can we become willing to step forward to these relationships and allow them to become the assignments that they're supposed to be and embrace them Yeah, I think it's very important that we do mention and that everyone really gets it that all of our relationships are spiritual assignments. It's Mm -hmm. very, very important uh, because when you remember that, you will stop banging your head metaphorically against the wall over someone in your life. You know, I've been there. I have been there with family members. Why me? Why is this happening to me? Why? I'm a good person. You know, why? Because it's my path. Because that is my journey. That's why it's happening to me. And when we can remember that our relationships are our spiritual assignments, then it takes off that uh, stress and it also helps you get the growth a mm. lot quicker. So, in every relationship, there are opportunities for growth and evolution, and that's what we're here for on planet Earth is to grow and evolve. That's what we're here for. So, we have to retrain our brain to not see anything as mistakes or failures and instead see them as opportunities for growth. Yeah. This is when we will grow and evolve, but we have to let go of the word mistake or failure, like literally delete it from your vocabulary and never ever say it again because Mm -hmm. there are no mistakes and there are no failures. There's just opportunities for growth. And that changing your wiring in your brain with that 
will radically decrease your suffering in the future. Yes, I love that. I love it because it's so freaking true. <laughs> I'd love to just share here very quickly a personal story because you've just jogged my memory. My, and I think you know this about me now. My ex-boyfriend, I entered that relationship completely blind, not really aligned with what I believed was right for me and a partner. Just sort of went went with the ride. Oh, this guy likes me. Yeah, he's okay. Okay, let's date. Five and a half years later, here I am. Finally, having my Saturn returns and realizing that this person, this experience, this life that I had wasn't right for me and it was time to move on. And you talk about this in your own relationships in the book as well, which is why it's jogged my memory. But I remember when we broke up, for the first time in my life, I had the most clarity I would ever have on exactly the kind of life partner that I wanted to have. Like I knew down to how this man might look, how he would talk, how he would behave. So that when I actually met my now husband on our first date, I locked eyes with him and I knew this was mm. the man that was going to bring me my children and my wife. Uh, goosebumps. Instantly. <laughs> and I, I even told him, by the way, do you like the name Soleil? Because that's the name of my firstborn daughter who's not born yet, but just letting you know because you're having my babies. Pretty you much said, said this that on the first date? On the first date, pretty much, yeah. Oh, my God, what did Chris say? He said, <laughs> he said, yeah, I like the name Soleil, and he kind of didn't bat an eyelid, and I was like, okay, yep, cool. tick. Done. <laughs> and I look back at that, that story in my life, and I realize what a huge gift that five and a half years was because even though it took five and a half years, that relationship was the spiritual assignment that I needed to figure out my life partner, what was aligned with me. So you mm. you had experiences like this, didn't you? Oh, absolutely, honey. And I can totally relate to the whole, oh, he's interested in me, so we may as well date three years later. <laughs> like, oh, he's interested in me. Okay, cool. Yeah, I guess it's meant to be two years later. Like literally before Nick, that was my pattern. Mm. So I can absolutely relate to that. Um, and I can also relate to, I knew on the second date, um, that I was going to marry Nick. Yes. I, I just knew. And I text one of my best friends and I said to her, I'm going to marry him. And she was like, whoa, sister. <laughs> <laughs> slow down. Yeah, but I just knew. And I have had, you know, we've got a lot of beautiful mutual friends and like Rach and Ramai, I had had Rach say to me, honey, when you know, you know. And mm. I was like, whatever. I'm like, whatever, you, whatever. Like, how can you, how can you say that? But that's because I'd never experienced that. Mm. And then, you know, she was one of the first person people I called and I said to her, honey, I know. And she was like, Oh my God, <laughs> that's amazing. And and it was really funny because the people who like yourself and lots of our other mutual friends who are in a soulful relationship, when I told them they got it. Mm. But when I told people who hadn't experienced that or who were in a relationship that deep down they knew wasn't their truth, they were really triggered by it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that was really interesting as well. Um, but I think it's your intuition knows, mm. and we've got to listen to that 
because it's always speaking to us. And, and with Nick, I just knew. I was like, oh, I've been with you many times before and many lifetimes. You are you are my one. Yeah. I just know. And I had never, ever thought that before. So let's go there because everyone listening right now is probably thinking, okay, so I just need to wait for that moment like Claire and Mel had where all of, all of a sudden you're face-to-face with the one. But it's not quite like that, is it? Because there's pre-work that happens, isn't there? There is, yes, the universe aligning you and your vibration, his vibration coming together. Yes, there's all these other, you know, some might call it luck, whatever it is that brings you together. But something else happens. And I say this because I know personally you and I sat at the beach one day and you told me face-to-face, and I think your ex was even there, that you didn't believe in marriage, you didn't want children, and you were completely shut off from that. In fact, it scared you and you felt a lot of fear around it. So help us understand from that point, when that was the Melissa of the time, to you sitting on your second date with Nick, clearly way more open and ready to receive that divine message and that connection. What happened in between that that got you to that Mm. open state? (laughs) It's very funny. I was just reflecting back. Yeah, I I said I didn't want to. I remember that day and I was like, nope, don't want to get married and don't want to have kids. And then like a week into being with Nick, I I wanted wanted to get married and then I had an instant kid because he he has a son already. So it's like that polarity is just Mm. one to the other. Um, But I believe now with hindsight that I was saying that to convince myself of something deeper that I was hiding. And what I was hiding at that time was that the relationship that I was in was not my truth. And I knew that deep, 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 deep down, but I didn't have the consciousness and the awareness that I have now. So I guess I felt scared to leave. I, it was safe. Um, There was nothing wrong, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. that relationship. And he was a lovely guy. And, you know, my mean girl was like, well, Melissa, there might not be anything else out there. You may as well settle. I hate that word. Settle, Mm -hmm. settle down. Like what kind of a, and why down? Why down? No, why not rise up? Why not let's get married and rise up together? And why settle down? I don't want to settle down. I want to go up. <laughs> yeah, me too. Down is crap. Yeah, like let's go up together. That's what I think a conscious union is about. It's about rising together. It's about supporting each other. It's about being on the same team and helping each other. You know, just this morning, Nick and I went for a walk. Um, We did a beautiful coastal walk. And um, he said to me, I I cannot wait because every year on the 1st of January, and we're approaching the 1st of January, we spend the 1st of January talking about our goals for the year and our visions. And we look at what we're going to do for travel wise, because we love traveling. So we spend like half a day on new year's day doing our vision boards and doing all sorts of fun goal setting and things like that. And he said to me, I can't wait to share some of the stuff I would really love your help with and holding me accountable for. And I was like, absolutely. Like, that is my role is to support him. Like Mm. my role is to support him and inspire him and help him achieve his goals in life. 
And that's what I'm here for. And I think we really forget that. We forget that we're on the same team. But going back to your question, I was definitely lying to myself um, and, and by verbally saying, oh, I don't want to have kids and I don't want to have uh, I don't want to get married was me trying to convince myself. Yeah. Um, but I knew deep, deep, deep down that that relationship wasn't my truth because as soon as I got with my one, that's exactly what I wanted was it was choiceless. I was like, yep, I want to marry you and have your babies. And people used to like, as you know, we got engaged very quickly and we got married very, very quickly. And, you know, my mom would say to me, um, now don't sprint down the aisle, darling, like, cause I'm just all joke. Cause I'm like, I was so excited to marry him. Like I was going to run down the aisle. Like I just wanted to marry him so much. And we just were thinking of even going and signing the registry papers. Like we didn't even care. We just wanted to be together and be married. And, and, um, it's funny how you can go from one extreme to the other when you're not in alignment and then when you are in alignment mm, totally and i do recall you guys did pra- practically dance down the aisle i do remember that. literally <laughs> and it was beautiful and joyful so that's a big jump right so you you so beautifully share in the book and just as you did then that you were lying to yourself and you're not unique to that so many of us have pulled the wool over our own eyes so i want to come back to that because I have a really important question around that that I think it's really supportive for everybody. And it kind of feeds into the the earlier part of my question, which was how did you make that transition to becoming open wide? And that is how do we encourage other people and how did you do this for yourself to peel back those layers of resistance, to stop lying to yourself, to ask the real hard questions about what's going on, to face the truth, to face the fact that it wasn't your truth to be with this person how do we encourage people to do that work which is essentially the work that you must have done to get to that second date with Nick and beyond it's um I I always weigh up the alternative what is the alternative suffering resistance, living a lie, not living my truth. Mm -hmm. That is the alternative. Or we speak our truth and we peel back the layers and we show up and we do the work and we ask the hard questions and we get real and we open wide. It's either one or the other. Mm. And for me, it's like the alternative is suffering and I, I've done enough of that, to be honest, <laughs> and I'm a little bit bored of it. And I'm just, I'm just not here to play small. None of us are. We're not here to play small. We're here to be the fullest expression of ourselves. And sometimes that means asking the harder questions and being really truthful and honest with ourselves and peeling back those layers of resistance. And it's uncomfortable. Growth is uncomfortable. They don't call them growing pains for no reason. Totally. It's it's uncomfortable. But on the other side is evolution. And that's what we've got to remember. You, You know, by sitting and hanging out in our comfort zone, we're never going to grow and evolve. 
And whenever I have a challenge or something that feels challenging in my life, I have another mantra besides open wide that I always use. And that, that is this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And I, as elegantly as I can shimmy my way through the discomfort, reminding myself to open wide that this too shall pass and that growth is on the other side of the fence. Mm. And for those listening right now that are still probably thinking, yeah, but I'm still too scared to face my truth, even though I can feel it niggling in me and perhaps it's manifesting in illness or depression or anxiety like it did for me when I was younger. Can we elaborate on the fact that you actually are living a reality that is wilder than your dreams because you were willing to open wide? Because that's the truth, isn't it, Mel? From what you share in your book, your dreams have come into reality. And what is on the other side of that hard work is this beautiful relationship and not just with Nick, but with your soul sisters and with your family. Yeah, absolutely. Like Nick and I always say, like we wake up in the morning and we're like, what? Like this is real life? Like this is better than our wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't have that experience every single second of every single day (laughs) of like, seriously, let's get really real. And, And if you think that about me, like, let's just bust that illusion straight away. That is not true. Of course I have moments of frustration and anger and all of those things, but I know the real truth. And so does everyone listening. And that is that love is our truth. We know that. We just forget. That's what being human is all about. Mm. We forget. We remember. We're awake. We're asleep. We're awake. We're asleep. We're awake. We're asleep. Sometimes we're awake a little bit longer and then we fall asleep again. And then we're (laughs) awake. Like that's what it's about being here. And it's funny. You've got to laugh at it. And you've got to not take it so seriously. Please don't take this work seriously. Have fun with it. Bring lightness to it and go, oops. You know, when Nick and I forget or when we fall asleep, we we just go, oops, like you would with a child. When a child falls off their bike, like if Soleil was learning how to ride a bike and she fell off, you wouldn't go, oh, get up, you stupid idiot, as if. <laughs> like as if you would say that to her. And yet we speak to ourselves like that. And we let it be okay, and it's not okay. And so when you fall down, when you forget, you just go, oopsie doops, there we go, get up again, and we, we wake up and we remember. Yes. And, and meditation has been a really powerful, powerful tool for me to practice this because within my meditation, that's what I do. Mm. I wake and I'm asleep, so I go into deep levels of transcendence, and then a thought pops up. And then I go, and then I'm like, oh, there's a thought. And then I come back into deep transcendence. And then another thought might pop up. And I'm like, oh, and that's life. That's, that's how we're playing our life out. And the more you practice being in that present flow state, transcendent state, whatever you want to call it, those moments where you fall asleep and you forget become less and less. And that's the work. That is, isn't it? And that, those moments where you're awake are moments where you're gradually, inch by inch, opening a little wider, aren't you, to life, to experiences, to people, to all of it. 
then when you fall asleep, maybe you contract a little bit more. But when you have more tastes of that expansion and that opening and that awaking, you then know the contrast when you move into a state of contraction, don't you? You feel it and you go, oh, that's, that's a contracting state. That's a closed-off state. I actually like it better when I'm there over here opening a bit wider and I notice that my life flows better like you described at the beginning of our call. So it's almost like you have to have that seesaw, don't you, Mel, so that you can actually go, oh, yeah, contraction, not so great for me, expansion, let's work more on that. And as you get more of a taste, you start to devour the whole bowl of it, don't you? You want more. Absolutely, absolutely. And I know, like Nick and I have another saying that we always say to each other, and that is that nothing good comes from closing. And he'll sometimes, like he can see me closing down, shutting down, like he can literally see it in my eyes and in my body language that he might say something that triggers me or someone else might say something that triggers me and he can see it within me, me shutting down. And he'll come over to me and he'll maybe place his hand on the back of my heart or he'll touch my face or something or grab my hand and he'll say, honey, nothing good comes from closing. And sometimes I want to punch him in the face. (laughs) That's what love's all about, right? A good old punch every now and then. (laughs) And sometimes I just look at him and I go, you're right. You're absolutely right. Because I know, I know. But that doesn't mean you suppress how you're feeling. Like in that moment, if you want to feel angry and frustrated, go and feel it. Mm. Like let it out. This isn't about suppression or repression. No way in the world. Feel anything that comes up that needs to be expressed. opening, isn't it? It's like you said, it's not about opening has to be positive and rah, rah, my life's all perfect. Opening to all of it. Opening to feeling it all. Yeah, absolutely. Opening to all relationships. Opening to... You know, I've shared this with you before in the past. I come from a, a, a big family and I have major clashes with some of my sisters and I, I don't clash with them anymore, but they were my biggest spiritual assignments when I was younger. And if anybody ever says to me, Claire, you're so wise or Claire, you're so smart or compliments me in that way, I can't help but say truthfully, oh, it was my sister that really helped me become that way or my experiences with my sisters really honed that in me because I'm open to the truth that all those angry moments or difficult moments or all the challenges that came through were actually beautiful and incredible. They weren't positive at the time, but they're all part of the divine experience. So that you're so right in saying, and I'm so glad you shared that, that this opening is go feel angry, go get pissed off, go stamp your feet just move through it consciously and come out the other side and learn something from it. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I love that you said that Nick can pick when you're closing down because Chris does the same, but he, he kind of giggles at me and says, oh, honey, you're so <laughs> cute, stamping your feet. And he diffuses me because it's so freaking annoying when you're trying to be angry and someone tells you that you're cute or comes up and gives you a little cuddle or slaps you on the bum yeah, <laughs> or, or says something funny about, you know, other times he can tell, well, back the hell off. She's getting nasty mm-hmm. and she actually needs to explode. <laughs> but it's, it's, that's part of these beautiful relationships, isn't it? And my, one of my sisters is in the same. She'll give me a quick scan, look me in the eyes, go, yeah, what's going on here? You need to sort that shit out. Rain it in. And it's just like that. And I think, oh, thank God I've got this relationship with my sister in this way that she can call me out on my shit and bring me back. Mm. I love that you shared that. Yeah. So can I ask, what other relationships 
are you working on right now? Because in your book, you very kindly and vulnerably share some of the relationships that you've gone through, but you also state that you're not a relationship expert. Nobody is really. And that you, you know, this is the journey that you're still on and that you're on this personal development journey. And this is a guide to help others do the same. So what relationships, obviously without divulging too much detail, but what are you working on right now? What's still a source of, I use the word challenge loosely, but what still is something that you need to pay attention to? Oh, all of my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that answers that. No, no, no. Look, when others trigger or challenge um, us, as you say, like I said, there is a nugget of gold in that trigger for us, and it's our job to find it. And so I'm always working on my marriage because I'm deeply committed to that, and I want that relationship to flourish and thrive. And the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. And if you want your relationships to thrive and flourish and grow, then you've got to invest time, love, and energy. You've got to tend to that soil. You've got to give it the right amount of sunlight. You've got to water it Mm. and in order for it to thrive. So, you know, I'm always working on my marriage and I will be forever um, because I'm so deeply committed to that thriving. Um, I'm also always working on my relationship with my stepson this is one of my biggest triggers because he is a very, very shiny mirror for me. Mm. And he shows me when I'm not present. He shows me when I'm out of alignment. He shows me when I need to look within and stop projecting my stuff onto others. He's a very shiny mirror for me. Kids are Mm -hmm. because they don't, they don't have filters. And so he's a big mirror for me. And I want to continue to work on that relationship um, because I want that to really grow and evolve and thrive and flourish. And then I'm always working on my relationships with my friends because, again, like my marriage, I'm deeply committed to those relationships and I want them to flourish. And in order for them to thrive, we need to give them time, love, and energy. Um, You know, so I'm constantly checking in with my friends or just sending little messages or little voice messages, just saying, you know, I love you or I'm thinking of you and organizing little catch-ups um, because I think it's very easy to get caught up in day-to-day life. Um, but I think the feminine really thrive of that connection with each other and mm. gathering together and whether it's talking and sharing food and just being in each other's presence is really, really important for us. So, you know, that's a big uh, priority and something that I'm constantly working on. And then my relationship with my parents as well in the past, they have really triggered me because um, I have projected my stuff onto them because I want them to be a certain way. I want them to show up a certain way. I want them to eat a certain way. (laughs) But wanting to change anyone is the quickest route to sabotaging sabotaging that relationship. So, you know, I'm, I'm working on all of them because I want all of my relationships to be deep and rocking and soulful. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, You know what? And you've just, you've just got me thinking about something else I'd love to get your thoughts on. 
what about those relationships? And I'm saying this because I just feel like I'm hearing some of our listeners go, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about those relationships out there that we think we should tend to because, I don't know, maybe it's a family connection or there's some protocol there or some obligation, but actually our truth is saying that you shouldn't tend to that relationship. That relationship will not make you thrive. What about those relationships? How Mm. do you navigate those? Because I have a couple of those in my family and I've made peace with that. But what's your guidance on that? Mm. I'm the same as you. I have in my life had many of those relationships many years ago, many, many, many of them. And I call them the should relationships. Mm. And what I have learned and realized is should is another word that we need to delete from our vocabulary. Mm. And Nick and I have a saying, quit shooting on me. We're like, stop, quit shooting on me. And then, you know, he'll say, you know, he'll joke and he'll say to me, oh, your dad's shooting, shooting on you again. Cause I come from a very Catholic Italian family and their shoulds are like left, right and center. (laughs) So I know you can relate to that. Um, but we've got to remove the shoulds because you shouldn't do anything that isn't your truth. The alternative is denying your truth. And what's worse, you either deny your truth or you speak your truth or live your truth. Deny your truth or live your truth. What can you live with? For me, I can't lie to myself anymore. I can't suppress my truth anymore. I've done it for so many years and it caused a lot of pain and suffering and manifested as health issues and I can't do it anymore. Mm. So for me, there's two options. You deny your truth or you live your truth. And I I just say to my, this is mainly in family, I think, because I don't have any should friendships anymore. Mm. Um, They've all just dissolved, Um, but I did have a lot. You know, I I should be friends with her because we've been friends since kindergarten, even though, you know, she's completely different to me and does, you know, wants to party and do drugs and we just, you know, those sorts of things. Like I've let go of all of those friendships. But I think family is a big one for a lot of people. There's lots of shoulds, especially if you come from an Italian Catholic family like I do. Um, And... I sat my parents down. It's more my dad. Mm. I sat my dad down and I just said to him, like I practiced what I call crystal clear communication, which I talk about in the book, CCC. And I opened my heart and I was very vulnerable and it scared me and I was shaking in my boots and I had sweaty palms and I was sweating profusely. But I just said to him, "Um, Dad, you know, I, I, I said, I know that you want me to do this or you want me to see this person or you want me to go do this, but you have to stop shooting on me because immediately it makes me contract first off and makes me contract. Instead, you could always just present it as an option. You know, why don't you just present it to me as an option Um, because it's like a child. If you tell a child that they should clean their room, they're going to go F you, you know, like, but if you say, Hey, how about we, you know, do this together. And like, it's the way that you word it. The Mm. word should is like very, 
hated word. Um, and now I just say to my dad, like jokingly, when he calls me and tells me something, I'm like, dad, you're shooting on me. (laughs) And he's like, Oh, sorry, love. Sorry, sorry, love. Sorry, love. Well, you know, um, it would be good if you could, you know, you could come up and see your grandma or, you know, like things like that. And Mm. I just, I know it's coming from a beautiful place and things like that, but, um, no one wants to be shooted on. No, no. And I guess when you have those relationships and family that don't make either party thrive and perhaps are a little bit more um, detrimental, I guess, in so many different ways, you know, I'm thinking about how have I gracefully stepped away. And I, I think a lot of, I get this question a lot with my coaching clients, and I don't believe you have to go to the extreme of cutting people off, right? So what you've described is beautiful. You're, you're communicating clearly and you're sharing how you feel and you're getting a reframe. But when that still doesn't work, for me, it's about gracefully creating space mm. and accepting that you cannot change that person and it's not your job to change that person and actually maybe the work needs to happen at your end. So mm. create space, be graceful and civil and kind about it and step away. Is that something that you would agree with? Absolutely. And I talk about it in the book. There's a whole section um, in the book about creating space Mm. because not only will that relationship unfold how it's supposed to, but then you create space for something maybe even more magical to enter. So I think creating space is really important. That doesn't mean you have to dump them over text. It doesn't (laughs) mean that you have to be rude it doesn't mean that it's just putting some space in between that relationship and that's okay. Healthy boundaries. Do that. Exactly. Healthy boundaries. So important. And I think Otherwise you'll get walked all over. Totally. And I think that's part of what your, your rocking relationship description is about, right? Sometimes having a rocking relationship is also realizing that the relationship I have with this person rocks at its best when we have space from each other, when we yeah. catch up once a year, when it's civil and you know, we send a birthday text message and that's, that's okay. As much as I want it to be something more, or I think it should quote unquote, be something more, it actually cannot be and it shouldn't be. And this is the best way for it to be a rocking relationship. Exactly. Which I think is really interesting because I, I, I think sometimes we're always trying to make everything perfect, aren't we? Yeah. That's another word we need to let go of because we're all striving for perfection. What is that? Can you please tell me? Cause I don't, I'm not sure because my de- definition of perfection is going to be different to yours. So instead of striving for perfection, just strive to be the best version of yourself. Yes. And you know, everyone's truth is different. Everybody's yes. manifestation of the perfect life is different. So there cannot be one perfection. No, you know, like one of my best and longest school friends, we have, you know, I have two of my closest friends that we met in year eight. So we were 12 turning 13 and these two girls live in Brisbane and they are not, they're not in this world at all, but their truth is being the best mom that they can be like That, like one of them, she just said, I am so happy. She just had her second baby 
And she is just so happy. She's like, this is what I was born to do. Mm. This is what I'm here for. And, you know, she doesn't want to work. Like she doesn't want that. This is her calling. And for her, her truth is being the best mom to her daughters that she can be. Like that is her best self. Yeah. And But for someone else, it might be being the best boss of a big C, like big company, you know, mm. like you cannot strive for that perfection. You cannot compare yourself to other people. It's about well, what is your best self look like and then live that. I know what mine looks like. Mm. And so each day I have to check in or am I being the best version of myself? What do I need to do to help and support myself be the best version of myself? You know, I know that meditation it's a huge component for me to show up in the world as the best version of myself. So let's strive to be the best version of ourselves, not compare ourselves to others and let go of that word perfection. Mm, totally. I love that. Yum. And it's also it really taps perfectly into what you talk about in the book, which is you know, cultivating this deep love affair and this deep connection and relationship firstly with yourself, right? Above all, yeah. this is this is how we have this this perfect quote-unquote or this beautiful life that we're trying to create because we have started first with what we need what's aligned for us what our truth is what makes us feel in that happy joyful state so can we go there let's talk a little bit more about because we've kind of gone in a bit of a circle but actually the real starting point is what you've just described isn't it this deep love affair and relationship with yourself Oh, the whole first section of the book is about self, yourself. It's it's because we can't have a relationship with anyone else until we have, you know, really inquired within, I believe, mm. and done some level of self-inquiry. You can't call in or manifest your lover until you have done that personal inner work first so that you know yourself on a deep level. Then you can call someone in from that space who is aligned. And, you know, the whole chapter called Dive Into Your Ocean, which is about understanding your core values, desires, interests, and beliefs. And not many of us have actually taken the time to sit and ask ourselves those questions. Well, what are my values? What are my beliefs? What are my desires? What are my interests? And when we get crystal clear on those things, we are then able to call in someone who is aligned on those things with us. And this doesn't mean that you have to be aligned in every single area of your life with that person. But if that's what you desire, then then go for that. But um, it just helps you get really clear on what is important to you. Like if you have really strong values and beliefs around parenting and you believe that you should never hit your children and then you start dating someone who believes in smacking, then how is that going to work? Hmm. Like seriously, like I don't see how that's going to work. You're going to end up fighting and disagreeing a lot. And same with like religious beliefs. If you believe in a certain religion and then that's a deal breaker for you, you know, you have to marry or be with someone who is this type of religion, then that you're going to weed out the people that aren't. Hmm. So doing that self-inquiry work is very important before we call in that one. Totally. I'd love to share quickly a story from a coaching client of mine that just perfectly aligns with what you've described. This beautiful woman that I've worked with for years 
basically showed up at a session one day and said, okay, Claire, it's time to talk about the pink elephant in the room. I said, okay. And she said, I'm single and I want to be in a relationship and I don't know how to make it happen. And I remember Mm. taking a deep breath and saying, all right, honey, we're not going to talk about the man at all just yet. We're not going to talk about the relationship just yet. We're going to talk about you and what you believe to be true about love. We're going to talk about how you feel about yourself. We're going to work on you falling in love with you again. And we spent three to six months drilling into her self-love practices. Like we tore it apart and put it all back together. Mm. And within that period, she met a man, an incredible man, but he was her training wheels. He was her, you know, her first, her first ride after having fallen off the horse many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And I love that I used the word ride then. We're talking about sex. Um, <laughs> and he was an incredible practice run for her. And it, and it was a perfect example of how when you align with your truth and your practicing self-love and you fall in love with yourself and you work on your beliefs and weed out the stuff that doesn't support you that you start to call in very very easily that which you're meant to have he wasn't the one they broke up and less than a month later she found and met the man the man that she's still with Mm -hmm. today and I just wanted to share that story because every time I think back to this incredible woman very special client of mine I think about how she perfectly ran with this work of self-inquiry, personal development, self-love practices, cultivating a relationship with herself. I, I even got her to go out and buy herself flowers every day because she loves flowers mm-hmm. and write herself love letters and write herself letters from her dream man and post them to herself. So doing that work, that's you don't even then have to look for the relationship, do you? Mm, I didn't look for my relationship. You didn't look for your relationship. No, exactly, exactly. You got to do that inner work. You've got to do. And I share this story in the mm. book as well about another friend of mine who um, wanted to travel. Like she wanted a partner. She wanted a soulmate to want to travel with her. So she decided, well, I'm not going to wait for that person. I'm going to go do it on my own, and I'm going to feel whole and complete, and I'm going to go and explore. And guess what happens? She meets that man on her travels and they're still together. They're still together. And it's just so beautiful, like many, many years. So, yeah, don't, um, yeah, do that inner work. It's so important. So I think what trips some people up, and you probably felt this at some time in your life and so did I, this this fear of being alone, and it kind of gets in the way. And I think if my client hadn't been getting coaching at the time. She might have only gotten so far with the self-love work. But I kept her on the pathway of forget about being alone, forget about finding the man because you think you're getting old, forget about that, stay with the self-love work. But for those of us who maybe aren't doing coaching or haven't done that work, that fear of being alone just overtakes, doesn't it? And it really Mm. blocks our intuition that might be saying right man, right partner, right relationship, what do, you, what, do you, what do you say to that? How do we help people navigate around that fear of being alone and to stay connected to cultivating that deep love for themselves first and foremost? Mm. Let's bust a myth first. Mm. And that myth is that when you are with your soulmate that you will never feel alone ever again. Mm. 
because I don't know about you, I'm married to my soulmate and there have been times where I've felt alone still. Yes, yes, yes. Um, So it's not about getting with your soulmate and then never feeling that lonely feeling again. When that feeling comes up, it's a great opportunity for you to look at it, absolutely. But I think let's, we've got to bust that myth first because a lot of people uh, think that when you're with your one, that you'll never feel it ever again. Yes. Um, and, and the fear is, you know, we don't want to sit with ourselves or they think that that feeling of loneliness is a bad thing. It's just another feeling, just like anger, just like happiness, just like joy, just like sadness. But we label it as loneliness and we attach dogma to it. Well, that's a bad feeling. I shouldn't feel, there's that word again, should. I shouldn't feel lonely. And we attach all of this dogma to it. It's just another feeling. Mm -hmm. And so if that loneliness rises within me, I try and not label it. Instead, I feel it. And you can label it if you want to. This is what I've done in the past. I'll label it flowers, right? I'm feeling flowers right now, you know, whatever. Like, honestly, because as soon as we attach a label, Mm. it comes with all this other baggage. It's just a feeling and we don't have to be terrified by it. It's just another feeling, but we do have to feel it because whatever we suppress and repress will manifest in our body yes and we don't want that we want to let the feelings whatever they are flowers or loneliness whatever you want to call it let it wash over us like a wave and it will pass this too shall pass so Mm. I think that's really important don't be scared of feeling whatever is arising within you just allow it to wash over you like a a wave because it will pass yeah and you take the power out of it then don't you I love that so much you take the power out of the fear of loneliness and the fear of never finding the one because you felt it it washed through you it no longer holds this power and it's what I do at the moment you know I I'm so excited by the next experience of childbirth but every now and then a little niggle of fear comes in you know from past conditioning even Mm. though I've already given birth and that little thought might say to me oh but what if oh Mm. you know maybe things could go wrong little tiny nugget and I just go okay take a deep breath hold it let it go and then it's gone and I'm back to my truth which is I'm freaking pumped to give birth again I know Mm. I can do it I've got this I own this I'm empowered I'm strong so I love that you've shared that because I think it's a really simple and useful tool to use daily, hourly, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And do you know another thing that you could do, sweetie, which I do a lot as well, is, you know, when that fear bubbles up, you can actually like almost go, ha, that's not mine. Like, because it's not yours. Mm. It's lineage. De- it's like DNA. It's like your mums and your mums mums and your mums 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 and this generational fear that we've passed down in our DNA and ourselves it's actually not even yours because your truth is like you are ecstatic about this Mm -hmm. and you can't freaking wait and I know because I know you very well and you are so excited about it and that's what it, it can be like And I just want to remind you that, yeah, sometimes when things like that come up for me, 
I just go, huh, that's not even mine. Yeah, that's, that's not mine. You know, and I'm just like pass, like, you know, almost like pass it on, like not pass it on to someone else, but just like pass, like get rid of it. It's not mine. I love that. And when it applies to those relationships and that fear of being alone, a lot of those fears that many of us have felt in the past about being alone is just that conditioning, isn't it? Just those pre-programmed beliefs that you can't get to this age and not be in a relationship or you've been single for this long and you better have a relationship or whatever it is. There might not actually be your fears. There might actually not even be anything that's related to you. So that's a beautiful one, Mel. Just pass it on. It's not Mm. yours. It's not mine, baby. (laughs) I would like to use that as a segue into talking about sex. I don't know if anyone's made the connection yet, but (laughs) in your beautiful book, Mel, the last section is all about, obviously, soulful sex. And for anybody out there, I love that um, Mel's included this. Please don't be intimidated because it's really beautiful and it's really powerful and very empowering and how I feel about um, opening the story around birth as well you know it's a story that we have to open around sex and sexual relationships but let's talk about how we can pass on the story that I can't have beautiful ecstatic orgasmic incredible sex or that I'm not meant to or that it's not right for me as a woman or a man how can we pass on that story and open wide to having soulful sex or not having sex if that's what we desire and if that's our truth. Bring us to that space, Mel, because you really do some beautiful guidance work in your book around soulful Mm. sex. Yeah, well, before I met Nick, I didn't know what soulful sex was. I was only experiencing junk food sex, and that (laughs) is like quick, easy you know, mutual masturbation, pretty much, you know, not, not, no deep connection, no vulnerability, no authenticity, no heart to heart, no real, you know, metaphorically, physically, emotionally naked. It was closed. There's no open wide. There was none of that. Um, and in order to experience soulful sex, you've got to be open wide baby in every single chakra and every single cell in your entire body. But, you know, soulful sex is absolutely humanly possible for every single person on this planet. And it is your birthright to experience it. It is about soulful heart to heart connection with someone else. It's about being the most authentic and real and honest and vulnerable. It's about being the most physically and metaphorically naked with someone. It's about opening wide. It's about being your true self unapologetically. Um, and, And it's when two people show up from that place, it's a pretty magical experience Mm. and it's deep and it's like some real deep soul work. Like that, that is like my biggest spiritual classroom right there because I can't hide. Like I cannot hide from him or from myself. Um, you know, you're very present. It's a beautiful exercise in presence. You can't have soulful sex and be thinking about the dishes or your to-do list. You've got to be all there. Um, so yeah, it, it is, really possible for anyone. And I just want everyone to realize that 
Um, it is possible for you and it is your birthright if you choose to. And you might be content with junk food and that's okay. Mm. And if that, that way of, you know, having sex is what you desire, then, oh, my gosh, go for it. Whatever floats your boat, honestly. But for me, I knew there was something deeper. I didn't know what it was and I knew that I had to go deep within myself first in order to explore that and then that, you know, trip fed out into my relationship. And it's an experience with God, love, oneness, presence. It's a meditation. It's it For me, it's like connection to source, God, love, energy, unconditional love, whatever you want to call it. And um, Well, that's yeah. how we create, isn't it? That's how we create exactly. life. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty like, phenomenal. Like, oh, sorry. I was just going to say like um, – Deborah says in, in my podcast that we were talking about before we started the show is uh, the same hormones that make a baby are the same hormones to birth a baby. And it's just really interesting. Like, yeah, you're creating life and totally. it's got to be miraculous and soulful. Like that, it, that's the intention that you want to go into making a baby. A hundred percent. And this is probably an overshare, but before we fell pregnant with this baby that I'm carrying within me, I, um, we, my husband and I had started talking about, you know, are we ready? Is this something that we're open to? And (laughs) it's funny, our ego is always like, nope, not ready, not ready for a child. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day we were making love love and it was a, a junk food sex type variety, especially with a toddler. Sometimes it's like, okay, let's make this happen very quickly. Yeah, and but that that, that mean like that doesn't mean like you still like quick like I mean honestly you can still have quick and easy like quick and you know quickies but oh, yeah. at least you guys are, I know you two very well and I can I'm presuming <laughs> like you guys are very connected there's still yes. connection yes of course you know? Well, um, in the in the middle okay. of this this beautiful connected junk food sex variety, and don't worry, junk food sex is it happens a lot when you're when you're a mum. But like like you say, it's got to be uh, for me. It's conscious, and mm. it was conscious enough that I turned to him and I said, "I don't want this to be the way that we make a baby. Mm. You know, let's let's climax, let's finish, but this is not the time that we make a baby." Mm. And afterwards, he asked me what that was about, and I said, "Because for me, the moment that I make that baby, it has to be." explosive and not necessarily I have the most mind-blowing orgasm but there has to be a a really deep connection between you and I where the whole world falls away like in a meditation Mm -hmm. and everything kind of becomes silent and there's this huge connection and presence and I remember the day that we had sex and I conceived we conceived this little baby I remember that day because that's exactly the kind of sex that we had and as soon as that encounter had finished I turned to him and I said we just made a baby and I didn't say it as in, uh, yeah, I'm just being lofty and idealistic and romantic. I knew. I could feel it. I could feel in my body that we had connected in a way that was godly mm. and that took that that little seedling of an idea of a second child into reality. And I knew it. So for me, it's when we talk about sex, it's, it's, it doesn't always have to be like that, but there there is this... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It's the intention. Yeah, the intention. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And and that don't get me wrong, like we still have quickies. Like we've got some, you know, we've got Leo in the next room. We've got sometimes we've got, you know, but there's still that intention. That intention is we love each other deeply and we mm. and we want to experience that together. But, you know, I've I've had 
other relations in my past, which were definitely not, that was not the intention. Yes. So the intention is very important. 100% agree. And you, you share in your book, obviously, some guidance around that. And I invite everybody to get their hands on a copy so they can read more and get some more insight. And you're obviously not a sex expert, but you're you're sharing your personal journey, which is really quite um, vulnerable, but also beautiful and shining a light on something that people don't talk enough about. And I love in your book that you give some practices, you know, de-armoring, which mm-hmm. is a really important practice for a lot of us women, and the mm-hmm. jade egg practice. And I use a jade egg myself and I've loved it during my pregnancy as well. And I, I think it's just you've shared it in a book in this book without making it dirty or secretive or shameful and I think that's the key isn't it opening up the conversation Mm -hmm. so that sex Mm -hmm. can become this intentional conscious experience that's connected you know and I think that's so important and as a mother to a daughter and I don't know what I'm having next but I think gosh I'm so passionate about making sure that I share that sex is not shameful and that it is an intentional conscious experience because it is ultimately the most magical thing because if you know you're going down that path one day you do create life Mm, and if you're not creating life you're creating an explosive exchange of energy babe seriously i'm just so glad that you think like this too because it's so it's so true and i want to really um inspire people to think of it like this because it's so important it is a magical experience and you know we don't shy away from talking about it in front of leo like you know we're very open and honest and we talk about deep connection and and soulful love making and we call it love making or soulful sex um so yeah it, i think educating our children and not making it taboo or naughty or dirty is really important because that's the household that I grew up in and it, you know, I had to really rewire those beliefs. I don't think my mother's ever said the word sex to me. So yes. (laughs) I remember when I was in my early twenties and she was trying to ask me if I was um, being, being safe and making sure I wasn't having sex. And she was dancing around it and saying things like, don't give your body to just anybody. And I remember just facing her front on and saying, sex, mum, you're talking about sex. And I don't mean to confront you, but that's what you're talking about. Mm. And this is it. Unless you're willing to have a real conversation with me and unless you're willing to hear the truth, it's now time for you to stop asking me those questions because Mm. what you're actually asking me is to shut myself off from something that feels Mm. very, natural and true to me Mm. and I know obviously as a mother now I know she's trying to protect me but it used to make me feel nervous it's like well I've got to contain this thing because that's what feels intuitive and natural to me but now I'm having this conversation with my mother and she wants me to completely shut it down and I'm now torn Mm. what do I feel do say be so it's an interesting one I reflect on that reading your book and just kind of went yep been mm. there oh yeah <laughs> me too me too I wanted to share a little practice with the listeners and you might remember this actually it was your ex-boyfriend that one day showed us this on YouTube and it ended up becoming a practice that my husband and I regularly do and did more so before child but it's called uh, OM the orgasmic meditation yes do you remember this Mel yes 
And yeah. it, I mean, the whole practice is not something that Chris and I buy, buy into. It's a, it's a practice where groups of people come together, complete strangers, where they practice a, a Buddhist variety of meditation based in tantric practices, where a woman lies down in a nest of pillows and a man or a woman, whoever it is, will manually stimulate massaging a woman's clitoris. And the whole purpose is not to lead to sex and the whole purpose is not to necessarily reach an instant orgasm, but to kind of slowly allow this woman to open wide physically, emotionally, mentally, and to ride this wave of, of building energy. And I took it home to my husband and I showed him and he was like, yeah, let's do this. And it blew my mind away what unfolded because in order to really savor this experience, we had to be completely vulnerable. He had to be raw as in, wow, I've never actually seen your body open like that. I've never seen your vagina like that. I've never stared at it in that way. And I had to completely physically and emotionally open up and be as vulnerable as I possibly could. And I also had to go into a meditation, like literally switch everything off in my mind Mm -hmm. to allow myself to be touched in this way without automatically going into the, oh, I better pleasure him. Oh, I better just give him sex now. Or I better just, I better just, I better just, and actually just receive and receive and receive and then let it finish and then that be the end of the practice. Mm. I wanted to share this because if anybody out there is listening and is thinking, okay, maybe soulful sex is something I'd like to explore and you are in a loving relationship or if not and you want to go join these, these groups, I personally am not into complete strangers touching me, but um, look it up. It's called OM, the Orgasmic Meditation. It's by a company called One Taste and it revolutionized our relationship to have oh. such gentleness and vulnerability and attention and for him to actually treat me like a goddess. Mm. It was pretty mind-blowing. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I actually interviewed um, him on my podcast. Oh, so stop it. I didn't know that. Yeah, go listen to it. It's amazing. It's called Orgasmic Meditation. Um, it was amazing interview because Nick and I have done that too and it was amazing. Like I highly recommend you know, if you are with your partner, I would highly recommend looking into it. It's just amazing. Well, that was beautiful. I didn't know that you did that meditation. I'm going to link to that in the show notes because that's perfect. And I know that they did, I mean, this was years ago, but they did little packages where you can download it and purchase everything that you need in terms of the ebooks and the content to guide you through how to do this process. So, yay. Awesome. I can't wait to share that with everyone. Yeah, you'll love it, honey. Amazing. All right, my beautiful girl, there is so much we could talk about here and I could go for hours, but I would like to just close off our beautiful conversation with just three questions that I always ask my beautiful guests. And these relate to my belief, which is freeing your mind, fueling your body and feeding your soul. So answering off the top of your head, because I know there's more than one thing, Mm -hmm. what do you personally do to free your mind? Oh, there's a few things. Meditation, time in nature. I'm obsessed with being at the beach or hiking, anywhere I can be and feel connected to Mama Earth. And also movement really helps me free my mind. Beautiful. And how do you fuel your body? Hmm. 
Well, I like to say I'm a qualitarian, which Mm. means I fuel my body with the best quality food and produce and liquids that I can find, such as, you know, organic produce and clean filtered water. So, yeah, I fuel my body the qualitarian way. Just make sure I get the best quality I can find. That's so awesome. I love that. And your favorite ways to feed your soul. Well, definitely connecting with my husband for some soulful sex. That definitely is soul medicine for me. Again, um, connecting with Mother Nature is deep soul medicine, meditation, watching a sunrise Mm. or a sunset, heaven, and also deep conversations with my soul sisters like you and all of our beautiful, uh, gorgeous friends, you know, over beautiful food. Like for me, that is like epic soul food. Yes, I agree. Sunrises and soul sisters. Yeah. At the same time, even better. Yeah. And, and then soulful sex, but then oh, and it's all getting a bit messy now. Yeah. <laughs> My beautiful girl, that was just such a divine conversation and I'm so excited for everybody to devour this and mostly to devour your book and to hopefully take open wide into their hearts and to enter the world in that open, expansive state. Thank you so much for all that you do, for showing up, for being willing and being vulnerable. I know it wasn't always easy to write this book and for just giving us you so that we can learn in some way, shape or form. Thank you so much, my love. Thank you, beautiful girl, for having me. And thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. And thank you for the friendship over the past eight years or something Something. like that now. (laughs) Pleasure on all counts. Thank you, my love. Have a beautiful afternoon. Thanks, Angel. Bye. Wow. How awesome was that conversation? I absolutely loved every single minute of it. And I... Yeah, if I hadn't have seen the time, I probably would have just kept going and going and going. There was so much we could talk about there. I hope that you loved that conversation as much as I clearly did. It was just so beautiful to dive into relationships and to self-love and deep love with ourselves, to talking about soulful sex and to talking about everything that that encompasses and to get Mel's perspective on opening wide and how that is a way of living and being and I'm really inspired by her perspective on that and and her sharing her personal sharing is really just so special within the book and also in our conversation and I hope you uh, really enjoyed a lot of the examples that we gave really trying to give you guys some guidance and some inspiration around relationships which are our biggest assignment our sacred journey on this earth is the interaction and the relationships we have with ourselves and with others so if there's anything that you want to share maybe this has triggered you in some way maybe it's inspired you in some way maybe you have a new perspective or a bit of a mindset shift around it please do share we would love to hear from you If you haven't yet already, get your hands onto a copy of Mel's new book, Open Wide. It's out in Australia and New Zealand. It will go into so much more detail from everything that we spoke about and sharing so much more of Mel's story as well, which I know that you'll really enjoy reading about. So please do get your hands on a copy and then let me know what you think. Let us know what you think. And if you have already read it, what do you think? What do you feel? What's it brought up for you? We'd love to hear from you guys. 
Okay, I'll leave it with you. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you so much for being part of the Wellness Project podcast. And if you have anything that you want to ask or anything that you want me to tackle or anyone you want me to interview, please let me know. I'm always willing to hear from you guys. Thank you so much again and hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you are in the world.